Discuss, the neighborhood table portion of Table Radio. This week, Andy, Josh, and Anna continue our discussion on Sacrificial Fellowship. Enjoy! Well, last time... I'm going to pull out my sermon. Last time, I uh, preached on community as a gift, and the conclusion, I think, from the scriptures, that in Christ, followers of Jesus belong to one another. That was my central thesis. My main argument from the scriptures, I said community is a gift, not just culturally, but specifically Christian community is a gift. As we gather around Jesus, as seen in Mark 10, a new family is formed uh, around Jesus and his gospel. So community is a special, sa- a special gift for my sake, he says. He is our special interest. And then we looked at Acts 2, 42 to 47. We said, what are the things that Christians do, these followers of Jesus do together? Well, they're devoted to the apostles' teaching. They are committed to one another in sacrificial community. And they're devoted to eating together, yum, yummy, and praying together. And then out of that, there's awe, there's wonder, there's, there's special extra signs of God's movement. There's grace, there's generosity, there's full and happy hearts. And this becomes a public sign. This is now um, a social network, but it's embodied. It's not just about likes, it's about worship primarily. Now the whole rest of the New Testament argues for this. You just got to assume that every time you're reading something in one of the letters, for example, that it's not just a you, you personally, but it's an all y'all, borrowing from the American South. And one thing I did miss is that there's this fancy phrase or word that's in the Greek, if you can see it, all alone, kind of, that's what it sounds like. Ironically, it means... It means the opposite. The opposite. (laughs) So all alone is not all alone. Right. It's actually with one another. There's about 100 one another verses in the New Testament. And 59 of them, according to some sources, not fact-checked, but I trust them. All right. 59 of them have to do with what we, what we ought to do for one another or ought mm-hmm. not to do. Mm-hmm. There's a whole pile of them. I've got a bunch of those on cards that we can we can get to as needed. We're going to test each other. Say, what would Christian community (laughs) look like if these were true or if this was enacted? Hmm. Uh, And then at the very end, I suggested that maybe we start practicing this, some sort of union and substantial communion with one another in advance of lockdown restrictions being lifted oh, or else practice. we're going to be woefully out of practice and probably sure. run away from it and be overstimulated and under under conflicted under <laughs> whatever the opposite of not having enough conflict yeah. we need to relearn how to be with one another and all our irritations and joys and noise you think it'd and be awkwardness. Like, it'll be like culture shock getting back together be. too quickly it'll be culture shock oh yeah that's a good phrase so let's practice now i suggested by taking some risks with one another and trying to connect with one another in Christ. So sharing out of Mm. prayer and need and hope and despair and all the rest, letting people in, giving and receiving. That's it. I mean, I've got more, but... 
I mean, it all sounds good to me. Ooh, wow. <laughs> Anna's signing on. I think the thing I thought about is what are the barriers to this mutual flourishing? Because obviously this is what we desire. This is what we're given in God. This is, I mean, this is literally for us at the table. This is so central to who we are and why it's a part of our Rooted series. It's literally embedded in our identity together. And yet, what are the things that prevent that vision of unity and mutual flourishing that we hope for and are given and the first scripture that came to mind was um, Romans chapter 7. Mm-hmm. And this is where Paul is sort of lamenting like his natural human state. And uh, so this is Romans 7 verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This is what I keep on doing. And he's just lamenting this reality of himself. He's admitting the truth of who he is. It's that the mm-hmm. sin inside himself prevents him from doing the good that he intellectually assents to. Yes, this is what Christ has called me to, but I don't do it. I do the opposite. And I think when we, when we seek to be in community with one another, oftentimes we don't do the good that Christ has called us to because of that internal conflict. You know, we talk a lot at the table about introverts versus extroverts and how do we be together and pushing against our proclivities, but we're always wrestling with that sinful nature. Even though we have the ideal of what Christ has called us to and has gifted us with, we're always wrestling with it mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I think it, it might be... A lot of it's counterintuitive because I think a lot of us think community should be easy. Mm-hmm. And we know better, most of us know better, like, well, it's not, it actually takes a lot of work. But there's still sort of this baseline assumption of as soon as it's hard, it must not be, it must not be right. Yeah. Like, uh, like if it's not organic or if it's not easy, then... Natural. Or natural, if it's not natural. The idea that I have to actually push against something in myself to make community work, yeah. that's something that may be a barrier for us, that that may be an expectation shift to know if I go in knowing, no, this is going to be work. It's going to take energy, but, and that's the sacrificial part. That's the, the pushing against part, but I trust that it's going to be worth it in the end that, that out of that, a deeper sense of belonging and caring for one another is going to be more than worth the cost. Yeah. Um, which is what we've been talking about in this, this, uh, this rooted part of the series, going back to Jonathan talking about, um, you know, Philippians 2, like, um, what, what's the second, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It's another one of, I think it's Paul's letters somewhere. Yeah. Rattle around in my head and heart. <laughs> um, but that there's this idea that, that Jesus is pushing against this. And he doesn't have the sin nature like right. we do, but he's still pushing, he's still right. emptying himself. He's still doing work against, very much against resisting, resisting uh, this darkness in the world that, that is that is pushing against you know um, this deeper call to community, and, and that's intriguing to me. I also mm-hmm. like what um, I, I'm in my own self, and also with others. I 
I'm intrigued by how much this idea of Christian community kind of, as you said in your sermon, is sometimes seen as an extra add-on, sort of like a bonus mm -hmm. instead of part of the core. Mm -hmm. um, but when you read the New Testament, it's clear that this is part of the core. And Jonathan brought up uh, a few weeks ago uh, the idea that community is something that's always existed. It's not created. God has been a family. The Father in the Trinity has been a family mm -hmm. in, in community, um, self-giving and loving one another, and that he's calling us into that. And there isn't sort of this divide between our participation in, in God's presence in, on the one hand and our participation in being one, like th those belong very mm -hmm. much together. Um, and that's, that's something that I think has been a mental shift for me to try to think about. I can't really know God more deeply unless I'm also committed to this Collective. horizontal connection with, mm -hmm. with knowing others and letting myself be known more deeply. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure everybody signs up for that. No, it's... To be honest. Yeah. Well, sometimes I think that's... It's sort of a, a, a theory thing, but it's also a practical thing in terms of a mental shift in imagination, yeah. right? So I think that's where maybe some of the, getting to your question about what are the barriers, that's sort of what stuck for me is, is sort of what are my expectations about what community should look like um, and and an imagination shift for, for what that could look like. Yeah. I mean, if it's communicated that this is an accessory, then we've already started off sideways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is not primarily an intellectual or mystical exercise. To do so kind of strips it from its embodiment. Yeah. I mean, Jesus came. That's the central... It's one of the central messages is the incarnation. He comes in the flesh. Otherwise, I mean, why wouldn't he just come as a ghost? Why would he have to be embodied? <laughs> yeah. I, sorry, I just think that really connects with the point that Andy brought up about this isn't mere accessory. And yet we often treat community like that. If I can fit it in, if I can mm. pencil it in, if I can make room. But if this is our core identity, then this is kind of the first thing that gets put in our calendar. And then maybe soccer and baseball and dance class mm. get added around that. The other question I had was, you know, Josh, you brought up the idea of special interests and how, so our common interest is Christ and our common interest is being one unified body together. But we also know that like members of that body have suffered at different times. Yeah. Right? So... I was wondering is, you know, that whole discussion from um, Corinthians 12 where it talks about the different members of the body, if one is hurt, hurting as one is suffering. You know, if we look at political movements like the Black Lives Matter movement, that part of the body has been suffering. Mm -hmm. And so we are compelled then as Christians to minister to that hurting part, right? So. Not to say that, I don't know, I guess I just wanted to push against that idea a little bit of like special interests. Like, yeah, certainly we don't formulate ourselves around special interests, but we pay attention to them. Yeah. Do you know what they're I'm not saying? unimportant. They're not just, they're not the most important. But part of us becoming integrated into one together is addressing those hurting hmm. parts. That's right. Yeah. 
It's a big reason. I mean, you grew up Anglican. Mm -hmm. I didn't. You didn't. We came into this thing, or I came into this thing, because I wanted to have a broader view of things. I needed more participants in my Christian formation and worship than just me. That was too, that's too crazy, too much Josh, mm -hmm. too much Josh. So I wanted, even some of the cultural discussions we're having about sexuality, identity, all of this kind of stuff, I wanted to know what do the Christians in Rwanda yeah. think? And in Nigeria, think and in ireland southeast asia i want to know that so the lord deliver me from my private thoughts even yeah and my own like instincts because i have to at some point go well why are my instincts better right which i always prioritize my instincts because they're mine <laughs> right <laughs> than somebody in rwanda for example mm -hmm. no and i need to i don't even know if i could know that they were my own privately held beliefs or personal instincts except in community where someone goes wait a second i would have never thought that and i think you're wrong mm -hmm. i wouldn't even know to challenge those assumptions mm. so you're right but the center is still christ right i mean i don't i'm not going to identify uh, gay or straight or married or single like those are those are cascade those are so far down the list for me i am a christian i'm a follower of jesus and everything else flows out of that. Right. Because I'm married, but I don't always want to be married, frankly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm a dad. It's hard to be a dad sometimes. And yeah. those things can also be taken away from me. So it's not even just about my own agency. Right. So it has to be bound together in Christ with one another. You still have to work it out. Yeah. Because sometimes you go, well, there are boundaries to how much communion I can have with somebody. Yeah. Based on the limits of our confession. Yeah. So... That's real work, but at least the aim or the posture is to look towards one another in Christ. And just what, Andy, you talked about the strain of community and the, the, the necessity of giving up. You're only saying that because we readily enjoy the benefits of community. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? We're all in when it comes to people bringing potluck to our house. Yeah. It's a lot harder to make the meal. Yeah. And that's sort of what happens in community in a superficial way, is we're in until it's hard. We'll have the benefit until it's costly. Well, and I think about, you know, you were talking about all the gifts you've received, like sometimes literal gifts from people. But people sacrifice to give that, to, to share with you, you know? And it's a, it's a beautiful thing, but it is a sacrificial thing. And so what are we willing to give up for each other? Like, what are we willing to sacrifice for one another? Like, it, it so reminds me of when you guys were moving into your community house, like, so many years ago now. We had 70 people help. <laughs> 70 people. Yeah. You might want to. <laughs> we had 70 people help. Yeah, but all those people wanted to bless you guys, mm -hmm. wanted to give up their, their time, their money, their resources to care for you and your family. And it was, a, it was a joy. I remember Jacob, my husband, had never sanded floors before. I have very fond memories of sanding floors with Jacob. He has very fond memories of that also. <laughs> but, and it, I think this has been mentioned in other conversations we've had, but there, there's a joy that comes from giving to one another. Mm -hmm. And I think if Acts 2 is a little bit longer, 
Yeah. Luke might have included some of that. Sanding floors together, yeah. Well, and the joy that that would give, like mm-hmm. sharing meals together, and they held all things in common, and they had a really good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a section from Colossians 3. It's one of the all alone verses, one of the one another verses. Yeah. I mean, it's a longer treatment, so I thought I'd bring it out. Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So God setting apart people to resemble and reflect him in the world. That's a set aside. And beloved, rooted and established in the very love of God in Christ. That's the baseline. So put on then, as God's chosen ones, compassionate hearts. What, what does that mean? It presupposes there's people grieving. Yeah. How can you exercise compassion without yeah. some reference point? And kindness and humility. I mean, humility, boy, that gets worked out in community. Meekness, patience. People are annoying. <laughs> <laughs> like, you yeah. pray for patience. Yeah. It's just not like a big glob of spiritual goo is going to fill your heart. It's like yeah. it works out with people who are irritating. <laughs> and then it says, as God's chosen one, bearing with one another. Because guess what? It's not just the other people that are burdened and annoying. It's also me yeah. and you, Andy. I'm just kidding. I mean, Who's you are. But, no. He's for sure the least annoying. <laughs> no, the no, you don't know him like I do. <laughs> yeah. Bearing w- with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, which happens from time to time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You see, that's the obligation part. There's a deep hypocrisy to receiving this great gift of forgiveness and grace and generosity. Yeah. And they go, no, it stops there. It stops with me and my private experience. No, this is to be channeled and pressed along. And if you think about interactions with God, it's usually through other people, isn't it? I've been given the gift through other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, and then here this talks about what well, you mentioned, Anna. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. That's a, those are a lot of pleasant words mm-hmm. resulting from community. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I don't mean like cheesy Christian songs, and that needs to be the only thing on your... <laughs> on your lips, but it speaks to a posture of seeing the world, yourself, and each other through the eyes and lens of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and the grace and the gratitude and generosity of God. It takes practice. Yes, exactly right. That's community. Community is the training grounds to be able to develop goodness. But you only get there through the awkwardness of kind of Someone brought something up in a meeting, me, Andy, and someone else had a meeting, and they, they care-fronted me. You know, it's like a confrontation. Care-frontation. A care-frontation. 
And they said, I've got some issues, basically. And they shared them with me. And I was like, I wish I would have known these two years ago. Yeah. Because how did I didn't know I was having this impact on this yeah. person and others like this person. I'm like, shoot, I wish I would have known that two years ago. But happy, there's no need for me to be defensive about it because mm -hmm. either it's true or it's not. Now I need to weigh it and say, well, I didn't mean that, but if it came out that way. Well, and it. I think that's a perfect example of how we all have to push against our personal proclivities. Like, it's nat natural for that person to want to keep things inside, to not trouble the waters, to not bring up something uncomfortable, you know, and natural for you to just go around like thinking everything's cool, you know? But love says, God says, no, actually, we share with one another. You know, if I'm able to confess my sins to God, like, I'm going to have to get comfortable with having to call up a friend and apologize sometimes and say, oh, actually, I really screwed that up or I, you know, I said something the wrong way. And, you know, what Colossians is pointing to is that, that we can give forgiveness to each other because we know we've already been forgiven. Hmm. And it's that stream of forgiveness that is demonstrated by God flowing through us that allows us to forgive each other. But it, we have to exercise that regularly. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to me that the, the marks then of, that should distinguish Christian community aren't a kind of perfection you might expect. It's, it's pushing through the, the rough spots and the brokenness that inevitably comes out just as any, in any community, Christian or not, mm -hmm. and saying, well, the marks are bearing with one another through that forgiveness, practicing forgiveness, um, patience and those sorts of things. That's what we would want to measure our community by, not the how well we get it right the first time. It's how well we maybe get it right the 50th time or, or, or make, it, make it in community to the, the next time and those sorts of things. Well, most of us mm -hmm. have a hard time doing that with our own like family of four. <laughs> Try a family of like 150, mm -hmm. you know, like that that takes a lot of trust and, and goodwill and grace mm -hmm. for each other to say, I'm actually going to mm -hmm. do this with you guys. Mm -hmm. Hmm. How about this? Like, Lord, deliver us from the need for precision. Yeah. Hmm. Do you know? Yeah, because that could be a barrier, right? It's a huge barrier. If I have to get something exactly right, if I'm going to bring up something with Anna, and I have to be so precise to yeah. try to figure out how you, what's the best way to say this mm -hmm. so that she's not defensive. Yeah. Or, I mean, this is too much pressure. I'll wait too long, and mm -hmm. then I'll build up resentment and bitterness. That's, that's usually how it goes with mm -hmm. people. And as opposed to just taking a risk going, ah, I'm not sure I really like this. I might put this the wrong way. Yeah. And take a risk and allow her to even to be defensive, you to be defensive in, in mm -hmm. a case. And I go, yeah, well, that's a cost of trying to be honest, but I trust Anna. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I trust Anna with the Lord that she will listen to me, even if it's not in the moment. And because the relationship will extend beyond this awkward moment, yeah. trust the Lord to work this out. Mm -hmm. Which means we have to keep faith and keep relationship with each other. Yes. Even if there's a bit of an absence, even if it's a yeah. cool period, you know what yeah. I mean, for a month or a week or a day. To hang in there. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. That's, that's what ultimately will bring about the most good. And hopefully, because somebody shared some things with me, I go, okay, I'm going to work on that. Yeah. And who benefits? Everyone else does, because now I'm not putting my foot in my mouth, <laughs> at least in that particular case, <laughs> as much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good.
It strikes me that there's probably conversations that need to be had that aren't being had right now. <laughs> so if you've got a beef with somebody, or even an irritation, something that's really bugging you. Something that you regret. Something you regret, something on your end. Why don't you try it out, pray about it. If it's, sometimes we can be over-exacting and over-annoyed. So you maybe <laughs> check it with somebody else. Yeah. Just to test it out and then maybe take a risk. And a great way to do this, we'll give you a secret code for everyone within the table community. <laughs> Go, would it be all right if, we ha if I brought something up with you? You know, who's going to say no to that? Unless, and you have permission to go, nah, uh, Not I'm safe. a little overwhelmed right now. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Even just that. Consider it. Pray about it. And for those of us, probably myself included, who are going to be on the receiving end of those conversations, <laughs> just try to make a commitment to not retaliate in the moment and not to be defensive in the moment. It's super hard, but you know, you learn how to do it and then have a, have a response afterwards in prayer with the Lord. Yeah, and for those who are the initiators of the conversation, maybe make a commitment to God and yourself that you're not going to walk away mm -hmm. from that conversation and decide to cease talking to that person or connecting. Maybe just make that internal commitment that no matter what the outcome of the conversation, you're going to keep trying to love this person. Yeah, you might not get what you want immediately. But it might come. Later. It might. might not. <laughs> <laughs> but it might. It might. <laughs> listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, BC. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode, written and arranged by Richard Charter, can be found at richardchartermusic.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca. Thank you.